0: Hello, I'm Sally Toksvig and this is We Will Get Past This, where I welcome you into my calm room of books, so I can share tales from history of various deeds, some brave, some baffling, others downright idiotic, in a bid to comfort the soul in this challenging time we find ourselves in. Some of these were recorded with specific dates in mind, but as we've all come to realise, none of that kind of thing really matters. My diary's wide open. There are no rules about when something can be enjoyed, so take a moment to relax and remember this. We will get past this. Hello there, come on in. I have missed being in your company, how nice. So I've been reading and reading, which has been, uh, well, comforting. I like seeing things in black and white. Ideas in print suggest a sort of certainty, as if someone knows what they're talking about. Of course, I know that that is not necessarily true. I have, for example, a marvellous book written in 1890 which is entitled Inquire Within Upon Everything. It's not even that big a book, yet its title suggests a confidence normally only found in men who believe that they can lead the free world without giving it too much thought. From this volume I have learned a variety of things including a Dr Kitchener's Rules for Marketing. Uh, which I thought was going to be a short diatribe on how to sell myself, but instead suggests how I ought to interact with the local butcher. Apparently, uh, the best rule for marketing—and here meaning going to market—is to pay ready money for everything and to deal with the most respectable tradesmen in your neighbourhood. Which I think sounds like less fun than dealing with the disreputable ones. If I don't, I will end up with unchewable old poultry, tough tup. Mutton? (laughs) Anybody? Uh, Stringy cow beef or stale fish? Do you know it's never occurred to me that a fish might go stale. I mean, off, yes, but stale. Anyway, as the title prompted me to inquire within upon everything, I had a look in the index to see if there were any words of wisdom about sex. Uh, Sadly not. The closest thing I found was a recipe for an ointment to be applied to sore nipples. Uh, The white of an egg mixed with brandy apparently, although why rub that in when you know you can drink it. Uh, Can I just say that I don't normally inquire anywhere about sex, it's possible I'm uh, in fact, rather prudish uh, where this subject is concerned but it's been on my mind because of my reading. Desperate to get away from news websites whose algorithms try to predict what I want to know and reinforce what I already believe, I have gone back to the old-fashioned system of having a reliable newspaper delivered to my front door. I like the surprise of coming across an article which hadn't occurred to me might be of interest. So, In my daily paper I read that during this lockdown the bottom has fallen out of the condom market. Which is… well I don't know it's certainly an odd sentence. I'll be honest condoms don't play much part in my life and no algorithm in the world might have guessed that I'd be interested and to be fair until I read about the current state of the market. I hadn't given them much thought, but it makes sense. Uh, Social distancing is hell for the condom maker. I mean, couldn't be worse. Actually, the history of the condom is interesting. I don't want to go into detail, but if you have the time, do read about Lazzaro Spallanzani, whose studies of sperm in the 1760s involved dressing frogs in tiny pairs of pants made from pig's bladder and taffeta. Not surprisingly, the frogs didn't take to it. Uh, instead of trying to mate they kept trying to get the pants off. Which suggests frogs have more sense than I gave them credit for. So Sex is a funny subject and I've been thinking about its general impact on how women are viewed in history. Now I often try to associate people I talk about with particular dates in history but I realise it leaves out so many fabulous women whose specific entry and departure from the world no one ever bothered to record. I have a really long list of these women, and I find, particularly uh, with those from the ancient world, anyone who was sufficiently notable to be written about at all, somewhere, someone will have claimed that they were a prostitute. Take Aspasia of Miletus, who was born sometime around 470 BC, so about two and a half thousand years ago. Now, next to Sappho and Cleopatra, she is probably the most celebrated woman of the ancient Mediterranean. Yet much of what we know about her amounts, uh, what can I call it, simply scandalous gossip. Uh, we know so little about ancient Greek women but Aspasia is a very good starting point. Madeleine Henry in her book Prisoner of History says that to ask questions about Aspasia's life is to ask questions about half of humanity. So We know that she was born in the Ionian Greek city of Miletus and no one is certain how it is that she first came to Athens. Her family must have had money because she was very well educated. As a non-Athenian the law prevented her from marrying a local citizen which would have been the usual way for a woman to achieve status. Yet Aspasia would go on to be admired throughout the city, establishing a school for girls and running a house which became a magnet for intellectual and political conversation. Her fans are said to have included the philosopher Socrates and his followers, the teacher Plato, the orator Cicero, historians, writers. And the statesman and general Pericles who of course would become her adoring common law husband. Sadly I have found nothing written by her. There is only what is written about her and every word was written by men each of whom seemed to have a different axe to grind. There are those who said she was the one who penned the great speeches given by Pericles including his famous funeral oration at the end of the first year of the Peloponnesian War upon which so many other great speeches have been modelled that she taught Socrates the stratagems of argument, that everyone loved her quick wit and she was a stupendous teacher of rhetoric. Yet you cannot read a word about her without the descriptions prostitute or courtesan or as the Greeks called it a hetera appearing beside her name or the question being raised that her house was less of an intellectual salon and more of a brothel. We'll never know. I can't find certainty in any of my books but I hate that it is gossip, the equivalent of tabloid journalism in history which continues to dog Aspasia's reputation. Writing hundreds of years after her death the Greek writer Plutarch couldn't quite bring himself to give her fulsome praise. He declared that friends of Socrates did bring their wives to hear Aspasia talk but that this was in spite of her immoral life. What I do know is that she and Pericles had a son. Pericles died of the plague. Aspasia went on to live with another Athenian general and leader. She had another son but her firstborn was executed after a battle. What happened to her? Nobody knows for certain. All that is clear is that everyone who writes about her declares her a rare woman in history and that even the suggestion that she spoke out and did so brilliantly has to be tempered with what must have been her sexual allure. There is a very interesting book which I would recommend to you. I've I've had it for so long that the cover has faded on my shelf. It's called The Alphabet Versus the Goddess and it was written by Leonard Schlein. It proposes that perhaps the very writing down of things has affected how women are viewed. I have to say I don't agree with all of it but it is interesting how the writing of history often includes the denigration of women like Aspasia because she can't possibly have been so amazing. Women who stand out from the ancient past have to have had skills in the bedroom as well. Courtesans and condoms rather than brains and banter. well, Either that or they were witches like Aglioneis, a Greek astronomer of the second or first century BC. Uh, she's written about as being a sorceress who could make the moon disappear from the sky. Most likely she'd just worked out when a lunar eclipse was going to happen. And don't start me on the fabulous women whose names make me long to hear their story but who history now dismisses as myths because they're too good to be true and we lack sufficient evidence. If it's not written down it can't be fact. All this brings me to the fairies, Maria and Lolita, some of you may remember that live on one of my shelves. So I'm very worried that they have had enough of lockdown. They're clearly clever women, as they've chosen to live inside a dictionary, uh, but they've started sitting outside and drinking beer, which I'm pretty sure is not social distancing. My worry is that they've turned the fairy house into a place of ill repute. I mean, I'd be appalled, but not at all surprised. Oh dear, I. Do hope that's not how they're remembered. Is it too much to suggest they borrow some taffeta pants from the frogs? Take care. Be kind. Remember, we will get past this. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.